Welcome to Meet You at the Museum with me, JP Devlin. Like Meet Me at the Museum, we'll be stepping inside some of the UK's most fascinating museums. But this time, I'll be talking to you, members of the public, and uncovering personal stories about why you come, what you love, and why these places mean so much to you. So I've arrived in South Kensington in central London which is home to quite a few museums actually. The Natural History Museum, the Science Museum and the one that I'm visiting which is the V&A, the Victoria and Albert Museum. Okay, with my national art pass in hand I'll just find a member of staff who might be able to help me on my way. Good morning. Can I welcome you to the V&A today? The first thing I was going to ask you is, if someone hadn't been here before and they think, I'll go to the V&A, what's in it? If we look at the map, you can see from the top floor, we have ceramics, we have glass, we have architecture. We have a floor here that's got silver, jewellery, photography, theatre and performance, tapestries, ironwork. We then have galleries which are more periods in time. You can walk through rooms and see all the new technologies and art and design. I'm not going to get through this today. No, no. no. there's about seven and a half miles of galleries. So it's not a case of, oh, I'm all right, I'll start at the top and work my way down. doesn't work like that. No, no, no. <laughs> you need to think, what am I really interested in? Brilliant. You will get a feeling for the place and then you will want to come back. Okay, where to start? That's the big question, of course, in a place like this. Now, I've had a bit of a nosy around a few of the galleries to see who's about and what sort of things they're looking at. And, of course, people come here for a very wide range of reasons, some just gently perusing, others more studious with furrowed brows, taking in what happens to catch their eye in each room. But... I want to start with those who are here for a very specific reason, namely to feed their passion. And for that, I think I might start in theatre and performance. Shall we? Hello. Hello. Can I ask you two what you're doing? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're just having some fun with the costumes. So, uh, yeah, I've come into this costume area and you are, well, you're dressed in costumes. Well, yes. Yes, they've got a whole row of costumes just there. Various theatrical costumes. Various theatrical costumes. And you can come in and put them on over your clothes. Exactly. Exactly. Right. I'll get you to describe what yours is, actually. Well, it's like a a purple ball gown, I would say, for a a dancing lady. Describe what you're wearing. What am I wearing? It's a bit like a dressing gown, to be honest. Multicoloured, a silk kind of fabric. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I might be Grimaldi the Clown, but I'm not quite sure. Who knows? I mean, it's quite a good idea that you can come in and try things on. Yes. Well, lots of places do it now, don't you? In castles, the children can dress up as knights and kings and stuff, don't they? So this is adults at play. Yes. Came into London, especially to go to the V&A. 
mainly to come to this particular exhibition about the musicals and so on. Do you like musicals? We've seen most of the musicals that are on in London and have been on in London the last half a century. <laughs> What's your favourite there? Phantom, Phantom of the Opera. I loved Aunt Juliet. I thought it was fairly underrated. And uh, Aunt Juliet was a fant- fabulous musical. So what's it like then when you come in here and see the you know, the various costumes from musicals oh, and the shows? It's great, yeah. yeah. It's lovely to see up close to see the quality and the workmanship that goes into the, the costumes and the sets and everything else, the, the, the detailed workmanship. Uh, I remember I saw some of the cats' costumes and when you saw the costumes up close, they were really just so intricate. People don't appreciate just how much detail goes into this. There's one thing to make the costumes that look good, but people have got to work in them. You know, they've got to move around, they've got to fit really well. They've got to, you know, they can't be too hot. And I, I, I liked the um, sort of Fred Astaire getting his, uh, all his suits made in uh, Savile Row, and he used to do dance steps in to make sure he could dance in them. Which is, uh, what is it you like about musicals then? fun and everyone seems to be enjoying themselves. I love the dancing and the costumes and they've normally got very good music you can often sing along to. Normally sing, sing the songs on the way home. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't like to be on the train with you guys. <laughs> Life's too short. <laughs> so the next gallery I pop it into is the fashion gallery. And it says the V&A has collected both textiles and fashion since its earliest days. The collection now includes around 100,000 objects, from buttons and ball gowns to silks and lace. Hello. 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 Sorry to bother you. Tell me, what are you looking at here? Uh, mostly the workmanship and hmm, how it compares to the Instagram world of today, to be honest with you. This is Italian style, 1960 to 1970. So do you think this is better than today's fashion? Of course, I'm no expert. I'm a layman in the real sense of the word. But I would say I think it's better. It mattered. It mattered a little more. I think it was a sign of where we were. Today's fashion is very instantaneous, uh, self-gratifying. It takes a lot of labor to do this work. Couture is handwork. And that Instagram makes it, implies this instant instant art and I don't know if I'd appreciate it that much maybe it's just me I'm looking at the Valentino I believe it's Valentino I just imagine a woman sitting in a workshop all the beadwork you know those were someone's hands who made dinner for their children who went home to their husband had their own personal lives there's just a lot behind the dress then the woman who may have worn it why did she contribute to the museum did she die did she was she a woman of means was it her only dress she bought it's just clothes it doesn't mean really a lot in the scheme of things but it does represent someone's life whether the wearer the maker or me the viewer it's the same and i think that's what the whole museum does from sculpture to fashion you're looking at the life of a person, mm-hmm. and that intrigues me. And even seeing this, it's, it's almost kind of tragic, <laughs> which sounds crazy, but it really is, you know, people lived, they died, and what does it mean for each person who wore these dresses? What was important to them? You're, so I just think it's interesting. You're thinking a lot about you know, just <laughs> I looking am at probably this overthinking. <laughs> I have a scone. The scones are magical. <laughs> they get your brains working <laughs> when you haven't had one in 20 years, <laughs> and you have one here. <laughs> you haven't had a scone in 20 years? Well, I haven't had a scone, yeah, probably 20 years. 
<laughs> so I was so happy I had a scone. Why has it taken so I, long? I, I, I never. I live in California, and a scone—it's like an adventure trying to find anything like that. So you never find a scone in California. It's not worth the effort of getting on the five and hitting the traffic just for a scone. But here, I hit the scone right away. <laughs> I think you need to get back into the cafe. I do, and have another scone. <laughs> And now into the jewellery room, which is a dark room, but it's very shiny, very glittery, very sparkly. This is a circular display of gemstones, and it's mm. called the, the Townsend Gems. Beautiful gemstones, really. I mean, they're amazing, aren't they? I like the green, which is the peridot. I've mm. got a ring in that, so I recognise that green. Um, but yeah, they're beautiful. Are you a jewellery kind of person? I do like jewellery. Yes, yeah. I do. Yes. And actually the meaning of them as well, because different gemstones mean different things. They signify different things, really. Rose quartz and quartz and sapphires and uh, emeralds. Yeah. I think the reason people are attracted to different stones is because of the properties that they have as well. You know, because everything has a, a vibration, an energetic vibration. So the gemstones themselves are of that nature so they are vibrating on a different level from you know things around them so de dependent on what you are attracted to then maybe you need that you know in some way and is there a particular gem that you for example like to wear because it does you some good in some way in the past i've particularly liked amber and I mean that in kind of mythology is uh, protection against evil sort of forces. So that's in I'm sure that's in the uh, in the remedy. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, a, it's a it's a whole new world you've opened. Oh great! Well, yeah. As I move around the V&A through the vast spaces and the myriad of rooms which veer off in all directions, I can't help but notice the occasional person I pass by whose very facial expression tells me they're here for a reason. Something important, something deeply personal, and it's something more than just a casual look around the museum. So we're in the cast courts, and these are all essentially casts of famous sculptures and artworks, including a cast in front of me here of Michelangelo's David. It is absolutely huge, the size of those feet and hands. There's a young lady over here who is sitting by a statue sketching, and you're sketching this one in particular, which is... Which is St. John the Baptist. And you're sketching from the side rather than, you know, face on? Yeah. Why? Oftentimes you do sketch face on, just, you know, directly learning how to get perspective and stuff like that. But this is a very interesting perspective because it's down below and looking from the side. And as you can see, the statue is looking over his shoulder. And so it's just a really interesting perspective to see the planes of the face colliding with the shoulder and just him looking over in this way. How far have you got down? You've just, uh, <laughs> you've just started. Far. Just the head and the outline of the shoulder. You've got the rest of the statue. Yeah. You haven't got yeah. down to the feet yet. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very far from that. I just, I'm building my way down, you know. So are you an art student then? I'm a creative writing student, but I do art on my own. 
So I consider myself an artist, but just from my own practice. You know, like writing is what I do for school and I also do for pleasure, but also drawing is what I spend a lot of my free time doing, you know, as I'm here sketching, spending my free time here. I come here actually every day to do my homework and so I will do my work and then I'll take about like an hour and I'll find a statue and I'll sketch it. It's interesting that you would come here to do your homework. Yeah. (laughs) I don't have a desk in my uh, flat, so I figure find a nice quiet place to do work and this was one of them. As I said, it's just like quiet and the people who are here are just very... They seem studious. You know, even if they're just here to look around, they are studying the statues and studying the artifacts and stuff, and it's just a very pleasant atmosphere. So this next room is stained glass. It's a bit like being in a church or a cathedral. I suppose a cathedral to colour. The reds, the greens, shining through in the light. What are you looking at? Well, the whole whole range of it. I think I came to this... I don't know, 12 years ago, something like that, when I was learning to make stained glass. I found it just a wonder. So I kind of know that the V&A has the greatest collection of, of medieval glass, one of the greatest collections in the world. So it's a wonder to be able to come here for free to just um, delight in it. You said you make stained glass? I did at that time, yes. I was exploring how to make it and so on. How did that go? Oh, I loved it, yes. I made several panels. So what made you want to you know, have a go at it? I particularly loved the way that, that stained glass can transform a space without necessarily filling it with clutter and lots of, little th- lots of separate little knicky-knack things which are not, not something that appealed to me. But I found the stained glass had, a, had an ability to, to do that. But there's something quite transcendent about it too, about the light and the colour and uh, what that brings into a space. Uh, it is a beautiful room, this is, when you walk through, just is, to walk through yes. that with the panels yes, and the light yeah, shining it adds through. something to it, doesn't it, really? Yeah. That sort of subdued light and let they glow with such, with such intensity. Uh, obviously, its roots are in, are in religious settings, but it, but it has the ability to do that in all sorts of different spaces, really. So I found that was in my own home, the one with the glass I've got that I made kind of adds something to those rooms. But maybe in, my, in the basement of the, where I live, there's still lots of glass unused and all the equipment I got. So, you might be so who back, knows? Yeah. So who knows where, where the inspiration will take me again? But it is an amazing, amazing wonder. And then there are people who aren't visitors as such, but do have a very good reason to be here. You're doing a bit of painting and decorating here? A little bit today, yes. Yeah, what are you doing? Just touching the walls? Cleaning up the corridors at the moment, yeah. But we do all sorts through here throughout the year. You have to keep it looking good, I suppose. Yeah, keep it fresh and clean for the visitors, yes. When you've been painting the walls in here, touching them up, do you get to know a bit about the collection as well? Yeah, I'm a member here anyway, so I do visit. Yeah, come here quite often. What's your favourite room in here? I like the stained glass and I like uh, the replica jewels of the uh, Royal Collection and things like that. A lot of the temporary exhibitions they put on, like the Alexander McQueen exhibition they did was fantastic. That was pre-Covid, but yeah, it varies. Different day, it's a different sort of thing, so yeah. What, what's your favourite room to paint? To paint, we've done a few of the big galleries over the years and reinstalled a lot of the old frescoes and uh, artwork. I've done all the medieval Europe galleries when they got renewed 
probably 10 years ago now. Does that mean you have to take everything off the walls and then paint the walls and put it all back? Uh, no, some things get left and uh, they're very fussy about painting close to it, but they let us do it because they know us and you know we've got a history with a museum. Right, so you're, you're professional at dealing with you know, the objects. Yeah, we're used to doing that. Well, you must be very proud of your work too when you walk around I here. I enjoy it, yeah. My wife gets fed up with me pointing things out. Really? <laughs> yeah, she wants to look at the exhibits and I'm showing her the paintwork. <laughs> so just back down to the uh, ground floor reception area. And that completes my tour of the V&A today. But before I go, I'll just pop over and say hello to this couple sitting on a bench. We had started off by having a, a coffee, and then we've been up to the second floor, all around the second floor, uh-huh. a little bit here. So we're, we're just having a little rest, and then we're going to do some more. Well, I see you both got walking sticks, so you yeah. probably need the rest because it's, <laughs> it's, it's a big place. It's a big yes. Well, <laughs> oddly enough. There was a, a painting up, upstairs, and they, the numbers in Arabic were wrong. <laughs> they put number two rather than, rather than traditional seven. So I'm going to tell the authorities. I don't want to complain. <laughs> I don't want to complain. I'll offer um, unpaid advisor to be an unpaid <laughs> on Arabic numerals. So you're an Arabic speaker, obviously. Yes. Born in Baghdad, been here 60 years, and not a day too long, I mean. Yes, I came here at the age of 18. Well, did you ever go back to Baghdad? No, never been back to Baghdad. Not even for a visit? I, no. I went instead, because there was always a risk for him that if he went there, he may not be allowed to come out again. Did that mean that you had to leave a lot of family and friends? Yes, yes, especially my mother, yes. I, I missed my mother. You never saw her again? No. No, never did. Yes. It was very close to her. It was very difficult. At that time, it wasn't a safe... Well, it's not a safe place to visit now, but it was even more so then. And how did you meet? At college. I went into the chemistry class and I sat next to him and that was the start. (laughs) Was it love at first sight? (laughs) Didn't take us too long to get to settle with each other. And all these years later, we're we're still together, so it's not bad, is it? (laughs) Haven't met anybody else that I fancied more than you, put it that way. So you'll see us here. (laughs) Maybe the statues, you might. (laughs) So we've had three children, grandchildren now. We lived in London for many years, and it's a while since we've been here, so we thought we'd come up right. and have a look around again. You've been away from home for a long time. Well, my, my home is here. No, it's here, isn't it? Home is here. I have to say, I've only seen a very, very small part of the collection here, but it's been a very enjoyable time. So I'll head back out to the streets of South Kensington. Thanks for listening to Meet You at the Museum with me, J.P. Devlin. If this has made you feel like taking a trip to your local museum or heading further afield, then don't forget your National Art Pass. 
It gives you great discounts at hundreds of museums, galleries and historic houses all across the UK, while at the same time raising money to support them. 